Amen. Amen. Let's, uh, let's read Psalm 1 together. Uh, and so if you have a copy there, that'd be wonderful. Uh, I'm reading from the NIV here. And so uh, hopefully that's uh, similar to what you have there. And uh, so Psalm 1, let's read these six verses together. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. Uh, not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. And so having had the, the overview of the Psalms that we looked at just before we sung together, uh, we now approach Psalm 1. And, and how are we going to approach it? What is the focus on today's message? Well, well, the first thing that we notice as we look at this Psalm and as we turn to the text is, is that we're not told who wrote this Psalm. Uh, so even as you skim across to Psalm 2, you see there's no author mentioned there. But then Psalm 3, a Psalm of David, is the first thing we see. Sometimes the Psalms do uh, contribute to our authors, sometimes they don't. Um, but Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 are often, uh, are often gathered together and spoken of almost like a gateway to the, whole, to the whole collection. They're like an introduction to what lies ahead. Uh, and Psalm 1 is essentially this compare and contrast between those who the psalmist describes as blessed and those he describes as wicked. Uh, and those are themes and terms that occur right throughout the Psalter. But, but what does it mean to be blessed? What does it mean to be wicked? And that's one question that the psalm is going to answer. It's going to try to unpack. And you can see how the psalmist does so by uh, bouncing backward and forward. So we see blessed in verses 1 and 2 and 3, a description of what it means to be blessed and how that person lives. Then the wicked in verses 4 and 5, and then a summary statement on both in verse 6. Uh, and I think we see this co contrast most strikingly when we, when we reach that pivot point in the psalm between verses 3 and 4. And so there we see in verse 3, that person, this blessed person, is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not, not wither. Whatever they do prospers. This, this is a wonderful description of, of a life well lived, of, of a tree planted by streams, yielding fruit, not withering, prospering in everything. Sign me up. Especially then when you compare so starkly with verse 4, not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. So, so comparing the blessed person who is planted firmly on the banks of the stream, fruitful, prosperous, now the image is of chaff that is blown away, no foundations to hold it steady, no roots to provide nourishment in times that are good or in times that are bad. And, and these are pictures that we can get our head around. And, and that's one of the wonderful things about these word pictures in the Psalms, that they help to bring these lofty ideas of blessedness and wickedness and, and help us to grasp them in ways that we might be able to be uh, understand and, and might impact us. But the question still remains, what makes a person blessed? What makes a person wicked? And that is an important question to ask because if we're honest, sometimes as we look around our own experience of the life and the, and the world around us, it seems that the opposite of this psalm is sometimes true. 
It seems that sometimes the wicked prosper, the wicked yield fruit, the wicked seem well nourished. All the while, the blessed seem to be the ones who are downtrodden, who are defeated, maybe even blown away in some senses. And this idea takes us to the key aspect of this psalm, the, the difference between these two individuals. You see, in reading this psalm and in dealing with this apparent contradiction that we see in, in the words of the psalm compared to our perceived experience, we're, we're forced to recognize the perspective that the psalmist has, which is not the lens that we would view the world through. So we may look at words like blessed and, and wicked and think about what that might look like in, in terms of things that we can measure. So uh, success or, or material possessions or career progression or treating other people or uh, houses that we live in or bank balances or something like that. But, but that's not what the psalmist is talking about. That's not the perspective the psalmist has when talking about blessed and wicked. It's clear from what we read in the rest of the psalm and through the whole of God's word, in fact, that the lens that's being used to, to gauge the status of these individuals is their standing before God. It's their relationship with him. This is describing how God sees these individuals, not how we might view them, but how God sees them. And so this is not talking about someone being blessed in terms of their social status, their bank balance, their material prosperity. This is talking about someone being blessed who knows the peace of relationship with God knows the assurance of an eternal life with him, knows, knows the joy of his unshakable love. And all of that is true regardless of the good or the bad situations they may find themselves in in the here and now. This person is blessed in terms of how God views their eternal destiny with him. And the same is therefore true of the wicked. This is someone who has ignored God, who has actively chosen to live their lives against his ways, uh, turned their back on his offer of forgiveness and relationship, um, but rather that they're charting their own course, they're, they're mastering their own destiny. Uh, and as we'll see later in verse 6, this is the path that leads to eternal destruction. But let's, let's recognize that, that this is not an opportunity for us to stand in judgment of others, because the path of the wicked is the path that we are all on until we encounter and respond to the good news of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness that he offers, the sacrifice he paid for us. We're, we're all in that path. We're all deserving destruction until, as we read in Ephesians 2, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. You see, all of us deserve wrath because we all live our lives like the wicked one described in Psalm 1. But because of God's love of his mercy, he has made the way open for us to know forgiveness, to know restoration with him, to know, to know that we then stand before him as blessed in his sight because of his grace to us, not because of the life that we've lived to earn it. And so the one who is blessed is the one who knows God's favor, who is walking in God's ways, who is spending their lives in ways that honor him. On the other hand, the wicked are those who will know God's judgment, those who are spending their lives for their own gain, their own honor, not his. And the contrast is stark. But this morning, let's look more deeply at the description of the one who is blessed. What does it look like to live a life that is knowing the favor and the blessing of God Almighty. 
Well, the main thing that I think we could talk about here and, and how it could be summarized, uh, and let me try this microphone again to see if it works so that I can bring up some slides. Uh, the main thing that I think we could be talking about here is the posture of the blessed. The posture of the blessed. And, and what I mean by this is that all of the actions that we see of this person, uh, the, the things we see them engage in or not engage in, there's a way in which they are using their body, their mind and their heart which demonstrates their devotion to God, their full devotion to God. And so I would love us to look again at those first two verses and try to capture what I mean here. And so as we see in these first two verses, let's look out for those action words, those, those terms which give us an insight into this blessed person's priorities and posture, if I can put it like that. Blessed is the one, verse one. Who does not blessed is the one who does not walk in the way in, sorry blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or seat in the sit in the company of mockers but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night let's firstly think about the posture of the body D did you catch those bodily actions there walk stand sit Obviously, these three are mentioned negatively in terms of these are postures that the blessed person does not do. Uh, they don't walk in step with the wicked. They don't stand in the way that sinners take. They don't sit in the company of mockers. But, but what, does all of those, what do all of those mean? Well, in terms of walking, walking in step with the spirit, sorry, walking in step with the wicked, I think many of us know the experience of seeking to live our lives uh, following God's path, not following the world's path. And it definitely feels like we're going against the grain, uh, even sometimes when we're battling against our own selfish and sinful desires. Um, the, the, we continue that challenge every single day and it feels like a battle. In fact, read Romans 7 and you'll see that it is a battle. It's like there's a current seeking to drag us away. It would be easier to walk in step with the wicked that's the way everyone else seems to be going that's the way our sinful selves even would like us to walk but the one who is blessed decisively and actively chooses not to walk in that way blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked and of course the obvious conclusion is blessed is the one who walks in the way of god standing Blessed is the one who does not stand in the way that sinners take. Uh, and standing as, as that sense of, of being alongside someone, taking a stand alongside someone, almost showing allegiance with someone. Uh, and the psalmist is showing that the one who is blessed is not allying themselves with the wicked. And again, the conclusion is they are allying themselves with God. They are taking a stand with and for God. Blessed is the one who does not sit in the company of mockers. Um, well, it, this is a picture of, of a Jewish practice and culture where, where taking the posture of sitting uh, was to signify having authority or, or passing judgment uh, or, or even teaching somehow. It's, we see Jesus do this in Luke chapter 4 when he reads the scroll from Isaiah, hands it back to the attendant and sits and all their eyes are on him because that posture means he is now going to teach. And, and so the, one who, the ones who sit in a company like this described here in Psalm 1 are the ones passing judgment on what they see and on the people around them. However, what we see in Psalm 1 is that the, the, the wicked here are passing judgment from their wickedness. And so they don't see the godly way, but rather even that term mockers, that they are mocking the godly way. 
and we see this at play today, don't we? Where God's ways and God's people are sometimes the object of ridicule and mockery because of our stance on certain issues, because of our practical outworking of biblical teaching. But blessed is the one who does not sit in the seat in the company of mockers. And so the, the one who is blessed is the one who does not do these things. Uh, and as we've said, living in a way that goes against the strong current of popular opinion is difficult. It's, it's often painful, yet it is the path to blessing. Blessing in that eternal perspective, blessing from God's point of view. And so the, the one who has the posture of not walking, standing or sitting with the wicked is blessed. Uh, and so there are aspects of this person's posture which are evident by what they do not do or what they do not engage with. Um, but, but look at the positive things that are in place of those negatives. So this person does not walk, stand, sit. But this person's delight is in the law of the Lord, and they meditate on that law day and night. This person finds their delight in the law of the Lord. Their heart is invigorated by God's word. That Their affections are stirred by the truth that they read. And so they meditate, that they engage their mind and their emotions as, as they respond to his word all throughout their day, day and night. And th this is a picture of someone who, who is embedded in the Bible, uh, soaked in God's word uh, to the extent that their minds and emotions are almost consumed by it, is the picture we get. The blessed one is the one who delights, whose delight is in the law of the Lord who meditates on his law day and night. It's a, it's a remarkable picture. It's a joyous picture. But I wonder if any of us are wondering, is it a realistic picture? Is it possible for God's word to be your source of delight? Is it possible to meditate on it day and night? Is that just something that folks in biblical times might have been able to achieve? Or, or, or maybe something that the super spiritual among us might be able to attain, uh, but not for those of us, many of us who live in, in a fast-paced world with many demands on our time and our energy? Well, I, I hear those questions. Goodness, I've asked many of them myself. And, and in doing so and in asking those questions, I think sometimes we find ourselves racked with, with uh, guilt and shame of, of all the things we haven't done, of, of how far we've fallen short of the ideal. And that may well be a right and godly rebuke and a challenge, absolutely. But, but rather than thinking that this image of the blessed one is some kind of pie-in-the-sky idea that's out of our reach, maybe perhaps we need to actually see it as an invitation. So this is not holding up some lofty ideal that we will never attain. Rather, could it be an invitation to come and see what is possible if... Just look at these words again. Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Why is that important? What impact does that have? Here's the invitation. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. This image of the tree planted by water, it has the potential to transform our motivation when we come to God's word. I don't know about you, I sometimes find myself approaching God's word in the wrong frame of mind, uh, viewing it as something I have to do, viewing it, I, I know I should do this, and so I grit my teeth and I bear it. And, and sometimes that level of discipline 
and decisiveness is good and right but that should not be our default position when it comes to God's word the blessed one is the one who del- whose delight is in the law of the Lord you see it, it's through God's gracious and life-giving word that we are planted it's through his word that we bear fruit it's through his word that we do not wither it's through his word that we prosper in our obedience to him See, this is the invitation that we're welcomed into. Rather than seeing this as a stick to be beaten with, actually let's see it as look at what is possible, the the gift that God has given us by his word, for his word, through his word. And don't get me wrong, there are those times of right rebuke when we see in God's word him showing us where we have fallen short and where we need to reorder our priorities, absolutely. But the motivation for doing so is because we know that his ways are good. His ways lead us to becoming the tree planted by streams of water. Yielding its fruit in season, leaf does not wither, whatever he does prospers. And so it changes our motivation. You see, as Michael mentioned at the beginning of our service, so many of us are facing challenging and changing circumstances. and, And these things, these things that come our way, they have the power to rock us, to really shake us. But the one described here as blessed, they are not shaken because their roots go deep. It's a a similar picture to what Jesus used in Matthew 7 and talking about the wise and foolish builders. That the wise builder, like the blessed one here, has built, is rooted in solid ground. Their delight is in the law of the Lord. They meditate on it. And so it's not that the challenges don't come. It's not as Jesus, in Jesus' story, the storm still came. But when they do hit, they don't devastate. Yes, hard times will come. Circumstances will be difficult, but remember the lens through which this person is being seen as blessed. It is how God sees them. And so regardless of how, uh, regardless of what's going on and how, how dreadfully terrible, I know many circumstances are and can be, not diminishing that, but regardless of how dreadful and how terrible and how difficult some of the circumstances we are, this blessed person here cannot be torn from God. They cannot be ripped from his love. They cannot blow away like chaff because their roots go deep. They are planted as a result of their delight in God's word. They're meditating on it. Their posture before him. Just think of of Romans 8, 38 and 39. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And so let's abide in him. Let's remain in him. Let's take on the example of this person as described as blessed. Let's be rooted, planted by streams of water, yielding fruit in season, leaves not weathering, prospering in our walk with him because of his law, his word. And so let's approach his word like that. Uh, And personally speaking, I want my life to be like that. I want to be planted. I want to be nourished. I want to be fruitful. I want to be prosperous for God and his glory. And so to get there, I've got to take on the posture of the one who's described here as blessed. And hopefully you can see how that that's a different motivation than seeing this lofty picture of the blessed person as something to, to rack us full of guilt. I long for my life to be like the blessed person and so let me imitate their example. Let me put practices in place that might help me to get there more. Let me be open to how God is speaking to me about how I use my, my body, my heart, my mind. So, so how do I walk? Am I floating along with the current around me or am I decisively following God's path? Where am I standing? 
Am I allying myself with God's truth and God's ways? Where is my delight? Remember in that phrase in verse 2, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. The, the, the source of their delight is God's word. Not the circumstances around us, not how they're feeling that day. The, the source of their delight is God's word, his unchanging, uh, ever helpful word. What is filling my mind and my thoughts? See, our, our posture matters as we come before God and his word. And this psalm shows me that I want to be someone who uses my whole self, my, my body, my heart, my mind, to be devoted to God and his word. And actually, I've, I've used this phrase a couple of times. This is not a pie in the sky picture. This isn't something that's just for the super spiritual. This isn't something that's just for the pages of scripture. This is the, the life to the full that Jesus called us to have. Remember the words in Romans 12, verse 1, Therefore I urge you, this is Paul writing to the church in Rome, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. In view of God's mercy, God's mercy which we see so clearly for us in the life, death and resurrection of Jesus, in view of that, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Give him your whole self, your body, mind and heart. Hand over control of your life to him and allow him to be the source of your delight. Allow him to be the subject of your thoughts. Allow his word to be the truth upon which you stand. This is your true and proper worship. This is the fitting response to the God who is giving everything so that you may be looked upon by him as blessed. So, so let's be people who take on the posture of the one who's blessed with our body, our heart, our mind. Let's be devoted to his word. Let's allow it to be the source of our delight. And, and as we meditate on it, let those wonderful life-giving and glorious truths then be worked out in the way we live our lives. And, and this psalm finishes then in verse 6. And by drawing our attention uh, to the eternal perspective that we've mentioned already, uh, the psalmist is again showing that the way that the world seems to work around us is not the way that things will always be. The eternal perspective is very different from ours. Verse 6. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. These are strong words, um, but they carry words of comfort and words of warning. The Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Now, now notice here that, that there's no mention of the particular life circumstances that these people have encountered. Uh, the promise is, is not that the blessed person will have an easier existence, but the comfort is that in any and every situation, the Lord watches over them. The Lord is with them. The Lord is providing strength even in dark days. The Lord is present. But the wicked, regardless of, of how liberating and carefree it may seem in the short term, ultimately, the wicked life leads to an eternity without God. To the place of destruction. And so in verse 6 here, the focus is on the final eternal destination of both. And, and that eternal perspective, which was spoken of regularly, um, it, it leads us to consider how this psalm points us forward, points to the readers uh, beyond themselves in some ways. You see, you see, we've talked about how this blessed blessed one who's described here seems almost too good to be true and, and as we've reflected on our lives matching up to that then maybe that's the case but this psalm like so many others 
also helps us to appreciate that there was one man who fully and completely lived this blessed life. There is one example that we can turn to, and of course that's Jesus himself, God's Son who came to earth for the very purpose of saving sinners from the destruction that we see in verse 6. He came as fully divine, fully human, in order to take the penalty of humanity's sin upon himself, so that anyone who, who believes and trusts in his sacrifice on their behalf may now be considered blessed, righteous, sinless before the Lord God Almighty. Their sins are completely and eternally forgiven, and therefore they're free to live their lives in, in joyful obedience, fruitful lives for him. And that doesn't mean that they just try really hard or they, they try to live their best life now or they, they just wait for eternity to come. No, no, no. As followers of Jesus, they're empowered by God, the Holy Spirit, to live the blessed life that he's called us to live. And yes, those of us who are Christians, we know how, how regularly and how often we fall back into these wicked ways that we used to once live in. The, the temptations that, that, that seem to grab hold of us at times, the way our old sinful flesh drags us. Um, but we know that the Lord watches over us. He's, he's there to guide us in his path. He's there to lead us in his way. And, and so we need to continually and, and actively, decisively adopt the posture of the blessed one. And so with our bodies, with our minds, with our hearts, we ground ourselves in God's word so that his truth is the soil in which we're planted. His truth is the, is the nourishment that leads to fruitfulness. His truth is the source of our delight. His truth is the focus of our minds. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. And so my prayer for us as we've engaged with this psalm this morning is that those of us who know and love Jesus would be encouraged all the more to, to devote ourselves to his word, to, to be planted by streams of water, that, that we would grow in fruitfulness, not because of our effort, but because of God's work in us, that our leaves wouldn't wither, that in those seasons of, of, of drought, in those seasons of, um, of, of intense heat, that we wouldn't wither because our nourishment is coming from deep. Our nourishment is coming from the never-ending well of God's love. And therefore our life prospers, not in the sense of material prosperity, not in the sense of everything going well all the time, but our life prospers because we're walking in the way of God. And so therefore, his opinion, of course, matters most. And so he sees us as blessed because of his work in our lives. And so let's be conscious of our posture before him. Let's not walk in step with the wicked, stand in the way that sinners take seat in the company of mockers. But let's find our delight in the word of the Lord. Let's meditate on it day and night. And perhaps there are many listening who, who, who don't know the Lord Jesus as their saviour yet. And can I plead with you? 
the Bible is clear that, that, that we were all deserving wrath. But God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. It's by grace we're saved. And so he sent his son to take the penalty that is yours and mine to pay. And so Jesus died on my behalf, on your behalf, so that I don't have to pay that penalty. I am not therefore considered wicked. Rather, when I come lay my life before him, surrender my life to him, accept his offer of forgiveness and life eternal, then my life is then viewed as blessed. My eternal destiny is secure in him, not in the place of destruction. My life now is empowered by the spirit to live how he would have me to be. And so if you'd like to know more about what it means to follow Jesus, please do get in touch with us or get in touch with someone who recommended you tune in with us this morning. Make sure that if God has been speaking to you this morning, that we do business with him. Let's not put it off. And so as we as we finish our time in God's word this morning, let's pray together. Uh, let's let's gather our, our thoughts. Let's reflect. I'm just going to leave a moment of quiet. Rather than rushing on from what God may have been saying to us, let's consider what he might want to, uh, to say to us, to work in us. And so, our Father, we thank you for your word. As we've seen this morning, it is the source of our delight. And so we pray, Father, that you would help us to be grounded in it, to be devoted to it, as we see more of your character revealed through its pages, as we see your truth, which, uh, which is the, 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 the very um, blueprint of how we want to live our lives. God, as we see your gift of salvation in its, in its words, Father, would you encourage us. God, we recognize that many of us uh, go through seasons of, of struggling with your word, of, of drifting from it. Uh, Father, I pray that you would graciously call us back, that we would see the, uh, the wonderful uh, delight and joy in your word. Father, that you would indeed, as Psalm 51 says, restore to us the joy of your salvation. Uh, and so, Father, that we would, we would uh, hunger for your word, and God, you would grow that hunger in us. And Father, we do pray for, uh, for those that we know and love who don't know you yet. And Lord, would you help us to be bold? Help us, Father, to, uh, to, to know your leading and your guiding as we interact with them and as we uh, try to share your good news with them. And Father, we thank you that uh, even just this psalm has shown us the, the breadth of your, uh, of your counsel to us through the psalms. We thank you, God for this series that we're going to embark on. Thank you that your word is always good. It's always true. It is always life-giving. And so we pray that as we spend time in the Psalms this morning and, and this summer, sorry, and that we would uh, indeed be encouraged, corrected when we need to be. We'd be, uh, yeah, that hunger for your word would grow as we spend more time in it. And so come, we pray, Father. And it's for your glory we ask these things. Amen.